0: What is up, Bills Mafia? What a way to start the 2022 NFL season! The Buffalo Bills explode out of the gate. Von Miller, Josh Allen, steal the show in Hollywood. Win 31 to 10 here inside SoFi uh, Stadium. I, I I am down on the field. I couldn't find anywhere to tape upstairs, so I thought, why not just come down here? It's beautiful. You know, this stadium is absolutely just must see. If you if you got to get to a game at some point, you're picking an away stadium, and I know. Everybody in here are Bills fans. So it'll probably have to be against the Chargers or the next time the Bills play the Rams. Um, SoFi Stadium is absolutely awesome. Uh, this is Shout a Buffalo Football Podcast. We are brought to you, as always, by Tops Friendly Markets. Falling leaves and crisp weather means it's Tops' favorite time of the year, tailgate season. And you can win the ultimate tailgate accessory from Tops just by purchasing brands you already love. Head over to Tops. Uh, you can head over to their website. You can have it over in person. Find out more details, sign up. Ryan Talbot, let me bring you in. How are you, my friend?
1: Hey, doing great. Not a lot to complain about uh, these early morning hours when the Bills play like that. A lot of happy fans in the comments for sure, Matt.
0: So I want to start off the top. I think the only way in this stadium, on this field, where to start is Von Miller. Mm. And he was absolutely dominant. I, I wrote in the preview uh, article uh, yesterday, actually, a published, and I said, Listen, the Rams brought him in with with Aaron Donald already on the roster, right? So he was kind of like a hired gun, a co-star, if you will. And when the Bills handed him $120 million, you know, 60-ish guaranteed over three seasons, they weren't asking him to be the co-star. They were asking him to be, you know, the man, like John Wick, Jason Bourne, Rambo. He played like it tonight. Two sacks right from the jump. He set the tone early on, and everybody else— Fed off of him. We're saw. we going to talk about so many dominant performances on this defensive line, but none were more important than Von Miller and what he was able to do uh, for this Bills defensive line.
1: Yeah, listen, Von Miller and and many other players that we'll talk about here in a few minutes, they executed, Matt. They came out with a game plan. Uh, They did their job. We talked about not blitzing Matthew Stafford and them having to win up front, and Von Miller and company did just that on Thursday night. Miller executing just... You know, that arsenal of pass rush moves that we talked about throughout training camp, throughout this summer. Uh, one really good rep by Joe Noteboom. It gets praised on Nash, uh, gets praised on the TV broadcast the next play. Von Miller uses that bull rush, pushes Noteboom back into Stafford, gets his first sack. Later in the game, he dips around him. Two great moves on that second sack. And he came so close to adding a few more throughout this game. So uh, Miller, what a debut as a member of the Bills. Paid uh, homage to Bruce Smith before the game wearing that T-shirt with his picture. And he, and he definitely uh, probably reminded some older fans of Bruce with that performance that he had here tonight.
0: What we've been talking about all offseason is the potential of this eight, nine-man rotation. And like you mentioned, that's that's what was on display tonight. I mean, there were some really powerful performances that if you're a Bills fan, you are just getting absolutely excited about. I mean, Jordan Phillips comes back into the mix here tonight, has one and a half sacks, is pushing the interior of this offensive line for the Rams back throughout the night, you know, tackles for a loss, chaos in the backfield, hitting, you know, Matthew Stafford. And you could tell as they got into the second half and that and and this defensive line was overwhelming the Rams' front. You know, these are two returning starters in the interior for the Rams off of that Super Bowl team. I know You know, Andrew Whitlock was not there at left tackle. I think Joe Nopoom is going to be having some nightmares about Von Miller uh, and and some of the reps that he had in this game. Even Boogie Basham, I'll get to him in a few moments as well. But Jordan Phillips, especially with Ed Oliver getting dinged up in this game, his performance tonight, he was an absolute animal. And that's huge, moving forward.
1: Yeah, you know, there are certain players that just fit a system perfectly, and that seems to be what Jordan Phillips is for this uh, defense led by Leslie Frazier. Uh, he, he left Buffalo after having a career year, got a big payday in Arizona, just didn't work out for him there with the Cardinals. He comes back to Buffalo. What does he do in his first game back? Uh, one and a half sacks, displays a great spin move uh, on one of them, just looks comfortable in this defense, making plays, getting the crowd fired up. Uh, When he took down Matthew Stafford, it was just an embarrassment of riches across the board. You mentioned Boogie Basham, who you're going to mention here in a few minutes. You you had a a tweet about A.J. Epinesa, two young guys that we've talked about with, uh, hoping they would step up, and both did in big-time ways tonight. We'll talk more about them here in a minute, but yeah, Phillips, Matt. You couldn't ask for a better re-debut than what you saw tonight with Phillips.
0: Before we get to the rest of this defensive line, we're going to get into this explosive offensive performance that you know, the performance of the night might've been Bill's mafia. I mean, they took over Los Angeles. Like that's was one of the things that, you know, you heard throughout the week. All right. It's one thing to take over Nash- Nashville or new Orleans, but LA is such a massive place. So it's such a massive building. They weren't going to come in here and make it a home game. And that's exactly what they did. And, you know, Stephon Diggs was asked about it in the post-game press conference. And he's like, you know, Bill's mafia, like teams that play the bills have to know that they just travel in just huge numbers. And, the way that, you know, you know, dealing with uh, your, your having to deal with your snap count as a home offense, which is not something new to the Rams. I mean, you know, I think there were more 49er fans here in the in the, in the NFC mm-hmm. championship game last year. But it, it is a sight to behold as Buffalo kind of comes in here, whether it be expatriates that have moved to other cities and they're all descending on, on L.A. Or, or whoever's coming here. Buffalo took over this house tonight. And that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, listen, it's one thing with the 49ers who are out on the West Coast being able to go in there and take over that crowd. You're talking about Bills fans having to travel across the country for many of them. We saw a lot of uh, tweets and posts on social media about airports being filled with Bills fans, and you could hear them tonight. They were very loud whenever the Bills forced a turnover, whenever there was a big play on offense. Uh, So kudos to the Bills fans. You had Matthew Stafford admitting that the offense of the Rams had to use a silent count in their home stadium you almost feel bad for Stafford and company. That's embarrassing for the NFL. It's embarrassing for the, for the, you know, the lead to kind of push these teams to Los Angeles, where this is just not a city that loves the NFL. They're a college town. They love other sports, but uh, kudos to the bills mafia for really taking over. SoFi stadium tonight, making it feel more like a home game than anything else.
0: Yeah. I want to shout out AJ Epinesa next and, and give him some praise because this is a guy that it's been a really rough go ever since he got drafted you know, starting in the, you know, the first COVID season when his offseason was really impacted, he was trying to change his body, was a second round pick, fell in the draft. I mean, this was the guy going into his, his last season at Iowa. A lot of people thought he was going to be a first round draft pick and nothing has gone right. And I spent some time with him in the locker room after the game. I mean, just look at his stat line tonight, Ryan. I mean, he has two total tackles, one and a half sacks, four quarterback hits. I mean, that's the kind of stat line right off the jump that kind of brings you back to that Miami game, right? One tackle for a loss. He was, he caused chaos in the backfield. He was a disruptor in this game. And I think he came in, entered in, in his first two seasons, he's amassed two and a half sacks. He has one and a half tonight. And he said, I'm going to read you the actual, the direct quote, because I, I think it's really good. It was about coming in and being comfortable, having the time to go back to the drawing board, you know, and flush those two seasons, you know, down the drain. Nothing really worked. So it was about flushing it and and coming in this time. And he said, just having OTAs this year, no more COVID season, no more of that shit going on. Direct quote. It's just back to (laughs) normal football. So, so I can breathe. I can be around my teammates and leave my apartment without being fined. It feels good to be back in full swing of regular football. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think this performance, if you're a Bills fan, man, you're so excited about this. You didn't even have to tap into the veteran presence of Shaq Lawson in this game. He was inactive. You gave an opportunity, if you're Sean McDermott, to these three young defensive linemen, uh, Greg Russo, Boogie Basham, and A.J. Epinesa. And man, did they splash in a big way. You can talk about Boogie in a second. But a big night for A.J. Epinesa. It's something where he can kind of build on this going forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you have to feel really good for Epinesa because people forget that he was technically Buffalo's first pick in that draft because of the, of the trade for Stefan Diggs. They didn't have a first round pick that year. Epinesa was the the first player selected in the actual draft of the Bills that season. And th- there were high expectations for him to kind of make some kind of impact for that team. At the time, they had Jerry Hughes. Uh, obviously, they added Mario Addison to the mix. And that combination of those veterans with the... Uh, with Epinesa, with some of these young guys last year, is rookie season, it just didn't work. And now you look at it, you had Von Miller to the equation. You have the, the young guys now a few seasons under their belts in the case of Epinesa's second season for Basham and Rousseau. And they all rose the occasion. We know what Epinesa can do in terms of getting off at the snap, in terms of that first step now when he has von miller on one side getting a ton of attention you have jordan phillips making plays when ed oliver's healthy he'll be making plays tim settle has made a few plays early in this game everyone on the line is able to kind of hold their own. That's going to make life so much easier for Epineza. There's not going to be as much pressure on him that he probably felt early in his career. And like you said, he can just go out and play football now. And I think that could lead to a really big year for Epineza. And then also guys like Russo uh, and Boogie Basham. You know, Rousseau came close to getting an interception, his hands on a ball at one point tonight, had a sack of his own. But Boogie Basham pulled off the sack and interception feet, batted the ball up to himself. Recorded the interception, had a sack in the game. Across the board, Sean McDermott's going to be smiling when they watch that game back, looking at how these young pass rushers really stepped up, Matt. We do have a super chat. Uh, not an actual question, but I'll put it up here. Uh, success Mindset, you guys are the best. 1.30 a.m. Thank you. No, thank you, guys. Thank you, Bills Mafia. You know, I, I see over 200 watching live right now. Comments are booming uh, we can't thank you enough. It makes going live that much easier after a game like this.
0: There's so much on sale right now, Ryan, at Value Home Centers. And if you head up there right now, you can get deals on a ton of stuff. Paint, uh, grills, uh, uh, an American flag. I mean, I, I feel like every time July 4th comes around uh, and you want to put an American flag out and maybe you don't have one, get one now. It's on sale over at Value Home Center. And every episode of Shout after a, a, a Bills game this season, we're going to hand out our toolsy player of the game. And I think this week for, uh, for a value toolsy, toolsy player of the game, we got to go with Josh Allen. I'm going to go with Josh Allen. You can pick your own uh, if it's somebody different. He came out here tonight and some things didn't go his way. And that's one of the big storylines going into this game that I, that I was tracking was, all right, if this thing goes off the rails like it did in Pittsburgh last year when nothing was going right, right offensively, where are the answers going to be? Who is go- going to step up and make the big plays? You know, obviously, Stefan Diggs made some big plays. I thought Devin Singletary had a couple of really good runs. Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, after the, uh, obviously, the bobbled uh, uh, pass that turned into an interception, he had a touchdown later in the game. But I think Josh Allen just reached into his toolbox, if you will, and and yeah. pulled out a bunch of different, you know, weapons that he can kind of use against the Rams. He comes in and he stiff arms uh, a linebacker, or it might have been a defensive back, excuse me, comes, comes back, uh, Throws a 53-yard touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs. Comes storming down the field, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. Looks like he had something to say to Jalen Ramsey, who, if everybody remembers, famously called him trash after the Bills drafted him in 2018. Uh, I think a lot of people had something to say to Jalen Ramsey tonight. We'll get into some of the stats uh, around his performance tonight. But I just think Josh Allen was everything they needed him to be. The defense came out. They set the tone. They made plays while the offense you know, had to figure it out. They came out in the second half. They scored 21 unanswered. Josh Allen was unstoppable. He enters the week one slate, likely uh, no matter what happens this weekend as the MVP favorite still.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, perfect selection for tools. player of the game. He was nearly perfect, Matt. The first interception that's on Isaiah McKenzie in this game uh, in and out of his hands, bounces to the Rams defenders. His second interception, yes, you can pin that on him a little bit behind behind Jamison Crowder. But besides that play, he was essentially perfect in this game in terms of moving the chains, hitting the big plays. Once the Rams started kind of sending the house on him saying, we haven't had any success doing what we're doing. Let's try to change it up. And, and Josh Allen said, all right, if you're going to do that, I'm going to change the way I'm playing. Early on, it was taking everything that was being given to him moving the chains, uh, really steady drives. Uh, but then once the Rams started sending that pressure, he hit those deep shots to Gabe Davis, then the, the touchdown to Stephon Diggs. Everything that he dialed up tonight worked out. Now, if I'm going to give the tools, uh, if we're going to give the toolsy player of the game to Josh Allen, it's not a real segment here, but I'm going to give the toolsy coach to Ken Dorsey, Matt, What a debut by Ken Dorsey. Um, You know, I I don't think coaches actually do this, but maybe he should put that game plan in a frame because everything he dialed up tonight worked to near perfection for this team, despite turnovers, despite having some things they have to clean up. The Bills made a statement against a star-studded Rams defense.
0: Yeah, I I do want to talk a little bit about Ken Dorsey. That's a great pick. Um, Let's get back to that. But before we move on from from Jalen Ramsey, I wanted to throw a couple things out there. You know, uh, Jalen Ramsey uh, allowed a perfect passer rating from Josh Allen when he was targeted tonight, a 158.3 per uh, pro football focus. Uh, He was targeted seven times in the game. He allowed six receptions for 124 yards and two touchdowns. It was a bad, bad night for Jalen Ramsey. And Josh Allen now in three career games against Ramsey. Obviously, they, they have a little bit of a history, 11 total touchdowns. He's completed seventy percent of his passes, nine point three yards per attempt, sixty uh, percent success rate on his throws, eight passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns. Uh, those numbers are all courtesy of Warren Sharp of Sharp Football. It's funny; it's this league comes at you fast, right? Like Von Miller was talking about it earlier this week about how messy the league is. He leaves LA, he comes back week one. You know, Jalen Ramsey goes on a, a a shooting spree in 2018 when he did that GQ interview. And this one, his specific comments for about Josh Allen have consistently and repetitively been coming back to kind of bite him in the butt here over the last couple of years. And it, it's funny. I asked step on Diggs in the, in the post-game locker or, or uh, post-game podium. Uh, if you remember the touchdown after he beat the, uh, Ramsey, Diggs had himself a game, by the way. We can talk about that too. 122 yards, a touchdown. You see him kind of like tap himself on the head, kind of like gesturing, I think. I didn't ask him specifically what it meant, but... You know, he's pointing like to his cap, right? Like what Jalen Ramsey was saying about Josh Allen a couple of years ago, that was cap, right? And maybe even earlier this week, Brian. Jalen Ramsey had some comments that I don't probably think went over too well in the Buffalo Bills locker room a couple of days ago.
1: Yeah, pretty much saying he wasn't going to put the Bills, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs and company on any kind of pedestal that he was coming out to play some football. And listen, Jalen Ramsey, as of late, has not been good. You can go back to the Super Bowl. He was torched on a few plays there. That final play, Burrow would have had Chase open if he had another split second. Ramsey's words are catching up to him, especially when it comes to Josh Allen. And, you know, a classic case of if you don't have something nice to say, maybe don't say it at all because you mentioned it. Josh Allen's perfect against him. It's something that he's held against ramsey and he uses it as motivation anytime they have they've matched up early on in allen's career he signed an autograph and it was it was a request and it was like who's trash now after he went one and oh against them and he's had that success the last two times as well you mentioned the perfect passer rating And, and listen you know josh allen has some teammates that i think like to stir the pot a little bit matt barkley on twitter retweeted the uh passer rating tweet that was out there about Jalen Ramsey and said, what a nice stat tagging Josh Allen and a few other of his teammates. Uh, It's definitely something that they've acknowledged in the locker room the the past few seasons. It's something that I'm sure they're going to be very happy about over the next few days before they start moving on to week two and game planning. Uh, Josh Allen and and company definitely can keep their uh, heads held high based on what they did to Ramsey in this defense.
0: I think one of the things that people wanted to see early on the season was Stefan Diggs, the return of the deep ball, right? So I feel like that play at the end of the game, all elements of it, that the Ramsey involvement, how it, how it happened, the throw that Josh Shetland had thrown off one foot on the run, you know, 50 yards in the air and just Stefan Diggs just winning down the field. I, I saw a stat that um, he almost reached 20 miles per hour uh, as mm-hmm. he blew by Ramsey in that coverage. And That deep ball is still going to be there this season. And now that there's all these other weapons, Ryan, the scariest part about this offensive performance from the bills tonight, they spread the ball around. A lot of people got some action. We barely saw Dawson Knox involved in this thing. He finished the game with two, one catch for five yards on two targets.
1: Yeah, Knox was a non-factor for the most part, uh, but that just goes to show you what this team can do. There's going to be weeks where certain players aren't factors. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, touchdown reception. Jameson Crowder, not a, not a powerful stat line, but it was a sneaky good stat line. He came up with some big catches, moved the chains, made some plays uh, after the catch to help this offense out. And then obviously you have your two stars in Stefan Diggs and, and Gabriel Davis, both of whom, uh, Found the end zone tonight. Both of whom had some big catches for this team. Even when things aren't going right at one position, you have enough weapons to to uh, help with that. And when the Bills are when defenses against the Bills are playing against the deep ball, Josh Allen showed tonight he'll take what's given to him because he trusts those playmakers on this team to help move the chains, including Devin Singletary out of the backfield who had some nice receptions. Zach Moss had a few as well. There's just so many mouths that he can feed and that he does get the ball to. So he can hurt you in in a variety of ways. And real quick, Sophia, thank you very much for that super chat. Bill's mafia is just, they, they bring it every single time. These late night episodes, there's going to be a lot of them this year.
0: There's a ton of fine time games. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Uh, what do you want to go next, Ryan?
1: You know what? I want to go with Christian Benford. Uh, I think that um, we, we talked about it as a possibility. I still think that it opened up some eyes tonight, Matt, that he drew the start opposite Dane Jackson. He, he, we did see Kyrie Elam at one point. I think both rookies held up very well, but Christian Benford, what a debut for him. Uh, obviously, with the defensive line doing the job that they did, it, it probably made life a little bit easier for him. but. He had some good good coverage tonight. I can think of that last drive by the Rams. He was in the end zone with the pass breakup right there where he needed to be. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about Benford. What were your initial thoughts on the day three pick for the Bills?
0: I mean, he held up well. I mean, look at what this pass defense did. Now, this, is, this was my point all along, though, when people were worried about the Bills not bringing in a veteran um, cornerback, is that the improvement up front – is why the Bills were so confident in, in rolling with their young cornerbacks. All right, let's 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 peel this back for a second because I want to start with the beginning of the game and the decision to start Benford. Benford played really well tonight. He had a pass defense. Uh, he had three tackles. Elam had three tackles too. They rotated, kind of what we expected. I really didn't love the move. Like, What message do you think that that sends to Elam? And maybe was Sean McDermott trying to send a message to maybe try to light a fire under Elam? I don't know if that's necessarily you know, needed everything that I've heard from on the record stuff, to things that I've, you know, you know, heard, you know, talking to people in the building, it seems like this guy, like the, the persona that he has, it's not fake. He's working all the time. After practice, I wrote a story about him this week. So to hand the job to Christian Benford, number one, it shows you that he's absolutely outplayed Kyer Elam and Elam has work to do for the bills to kind of come out here in this big spot on national TV and hand the job over to Benford. It shows you that they trust him. And then he won the job. But I also just wonder is you're playing with fire here if you're the Bills, if you're Sean McDermott, because what does this do for the confidence level of Elam? You you have to believe and think that he's strong enough mentally to handle it. And this is going to be a concerning storyline to to kind of monitor over the course of the season. Because right now, Ryan, he's, he's technically fourth on the depth chart behind Trey White when he's back, Dane Jackson, Christian Benford, and then you're looking at Elam.
1: Yeah, and that's a fair and valid point. And you know, we're we're going to learn a lot about the mental makeup of Kyrie Elam here very early on in his career. Now, there's nothing to suggest that he's not handling this well. He's doing everything that's asked of him. You mentioned he's putting in the extra work uh, after practice, uh, but in season, how is this going to affect his game, or is it going to affect his game? It's something to monitor. Uh, Benford played great tonight, though he kind of showed okay. The, the Bills, trust me, and I and he stepped up, so he proved them right. But what can Elam do to close that gap, to maybe get – to cut into those reps, get more playing time? Is it something that he has to do in the practice setting? Is it something that he has to do on the field itself, in-game action? It's going to be interesting to see because Dane Jackson, someone else we can talk about here, to his credit, had a nice game, had interceptions, interception, stepped up for this team, just like he did last season once Trey White went down with injury. He's really locking in on that role as their 1B opposite Trey White when he's healthy, or 2A, I guess I should say, uh, because White is in a class of his own when healthy. But uh, these young guys, they're going to be battling for reps and time, and it's not going to be as easy to get onto the field once White is back, once White is healthy, especially when you have Dane Jackson there. So Elam, like you said, he might be cornerback four, and how is he going to handle playing a few reps here and there if that is the case when that time comes?
0: Yeah, the Bills have a a good problem on their hands. And I think, you know, when you have a bunch of guys that you want to see get action on the field, I think the fact that Trey White starting the season on pop tells you that even when he does get back, I don't think you're expecting in week five, five, he's ready to go full bore, 100% of the snaps right from the jump. So you're probably going to be still looking at some type of rotation between White and the two young guys with Dane Jackson kind of locking down that other spot. They really trust him. And then once White does get to the point where he is that number one guy, he's, he's playing back to you know, what he was last season before the injury, then you have even more decisions to make because I think hmm. they really like Dane Jackson. It's going to be hard to get him off the field. And maybe it could be a situation where you, know, you spot start him. You, 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 go, you make it a week-to-week competition. Who has the best week in practice? Who competes the most? Maybe you put Kyrie Elam on the scout team or Christian Benford on the scout team and they really thrive in that scenario. It's going to be interesting to see that play out, but I don't think it's as big of an issue because of now what we've seen in week one, what this defensive line can be for the bills.
1: Yeah. One, because of what the defensive line can do for you and and make life easier for your defensive backs. But you know, I was just going to go to the defensive line. Look at what Sean McDermott has done since year one in terms of his D line rotation and what he's preached about how that can be good for the team. I think maybe he can do that for the secondary as well and say, listen, we need the secondary playing at their best come playoff time, come down the stretch. And if we can kind of limit your your reps, your snaps, your your playing time, you're not going to be fatigued in those games that really matter. We can rotate you in and out. We have trust in all of these guys, and including a guy like Cam Lewis, who is even inactive tonight. I truly believe that Sean McDermott and this coaching staff has confidence in all of their corners from top to bottom on this roster. And maybe come playoff time, it will pay dividends for this team just like it, I think it can for this defensive line if they play even at a fraction uh, of the level that they did tonight, Matt. You
0: know what pays off big time, Ryan Talbot? Trip over to Topps Friendly Markets. Mm. Anytime, any place, anywhere you can find one. Head in there right now, now through October 29th. Every time you use your Topps bonus plus card, if you don't have one, get one. I don't know what you're waiting for. Great deals all the time. If you use the car to purchase participating brands like Pepsi, Campbell's, Smithfield, and so many more, you're automatically entered for a chance to win a tailgate and go kitchen for the ultimate tailgating experience. It doesn't matter where Bill's Mafia goes, Ryan Talbot. The tailgate is always popping. I was walking into the stadium today and they were grilling, they were having parties. It was, it, it's, a, it's a party, you know, t- uh, 24-7 during Bill's season and Tops has you covered with all your tailgating needs.
1: Yeah, just like Topps has us covered with some of the best deals out there. Jackson Kelly says that the Bills have you covered with one of the best wide receiver pairs in the NFL in 2022. And, and you're right, Jackson. Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis. They did nothing tonight uh to prove otherwise. You have Diggs, your number one, going against one of the top cornerbacks in the league, going up a 100- hunt. 100 yards, Gabe Davis picking up where he left off from last year's playoff performance. It was a lot of hype, maybe a lot of pressure on him to come out and, and perform based on the love that he's been getting this offseason. And he did just that, uh, helping the Bills open the game with a score and then obviously getting open deep, uh, averaging over 20 yards per catch. This pairing could end up being one of, if not the best in the league this year.
0: NFL insider Jordan Schultz tweeted before the game, I, I, I saw you reshare uh, sh- that just a little nugget on his take on Gabriel Davis. And he said that by the time the season's over, Gabriel Davis is going to establish himself as a number one wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, that's a, it's a bold prediction. Even the highest folks on Davis, I, you know, t- to be a number one in this league, that's consistent production. Uh, I think it's possible. Uh, but I thought it was an interesting, uh, an interesting take. And, you know, Jackson Kelly, obviously right here on on YouTube. Thank you for the super chat agrees with that take and he played like, listen, he played like it tonight. You know, you come out, he has the touchdown to start. That is not, that was the fourth straight drive for the bills. Consecutive drives that Gabriel Davis played. He ended the drive with a touchdown reception. I mean, that's just, that's impressive. I don't care if it's preseason, regular season playoffs. And it was, it was all of those situations in in different drives, different game scenarios. That's a big time performance. Uh, A guy in Gabriel Davis who, You know, there's just, there's a lot of good players. And I, I got to also shout out a guy that I was hard on early in training camp, a guy that has struggled to stay healthy, you know, probably could have done a little bit more on the interception that Josh Allen threw. But I also think Josh Allen shouldn't have, you know, he waited too long to make that decision. He probably shouldn't have thrown it over the middle. That's Jamison Crowder. He came out here in a, you know, in a time where I was starting to see some Cole Beasley tweets, like the bills really miss a certain slot receiver. I don't know if, uh, you know, his ears were ringing Jamison Crowder right down here on the field. But he started to make some plays after that. He was really important. Uh, I talked to Isaiah McKenzie uh, after a couple of us did. We're around his locker. And he said, you know, they split time and they, and they feel like they could be their own version of a dynamic duo in the slot. Just like Diggs and Davis are kind of on the boundary. Uh, you know, Diggs actually worked a, lot, a little bit out of the slot tonight himself. And they moved these guys all over the formation. But I think they really like probably the first day of this, you know, Crowder and, and, and McKenzie, what they were able to do in this game. Uh, I think they like that combo uh, in inside there.
1: Yeah, and, and Crowder, one of the catches that he made tonight on, on the live broadcast, it looked like he was going to take a real shot. And instead, as soon as he caught that ball, he kind of like dipped a little bit past the first defender, eluded the second one and dove forward and, and moved the chains and got a first down. It's just one of those, when, when you saw it live, oh, oh man, this guy's a real savvy veteran. He, he knew there was a guy waiting to kind of lay a lick on him and he, he avoided that somehow. He still moved the chains, he dipped inside. Uh, and then in addition to what he did in the slot, you know, nice job tonight is the team's punt returner as well. Uh, Fair caught the ball a few times and the one punt that he did field. He took for 21 yards downfield to help kind of set up some field position for this team. That's all you can ask for, especially when, you know, my at least myself, I was expecting uh, Khalil Shakir to kind of take on that role on special teams tonight but he found himself on that inactives list. It talks about being prepared for whatever role is being asked of you. And Jamison Crowder really stepped up tonight, Matt.
0: Yeah, and I tweeted at halftime, there's a good chance that Shakir is not inactive next week. Maybe they they activate him next week. And the Bills were struggling in a couple areas. And I want to get into one of those specifically, one on the offensive side and one on the defensive side that we could talk about and maybe a reason why there were some struggles at times. And it's hard to talk about the negative stuff in a game where, the bills did truly dominate this game, Ryan, even in the moments where they were close in the first first half, it was still felt like they were completely outplaying the Rams and it was just those kind of simple mistakes that they were making that were keeping the game close but on Shakir, I know he's he's listed as the first team punt returner, and I think a lot of people expected myself included to, for him to get a game day jersey because of that. but I think what we saw here tonight, the veteran presence of, of jameson Crowder that re- The most important one was that third down reception where he got the first down or or got maybe got the first down or got close to the first down. That's a big time play that, you know, you lean on veterans. I was waiting to see one of those plays from Crowder in season to kind of get some of that confidence from your quarterback and Josh Allen. And now he knows that's in the back of his mind when he needs a big play and he sees number 80 out there. He's going to feel good about going back to him. So I think it's, it's not so much for me with Shakir not being ready as it's, you're just going to have to kind of wait your turn as a fifth round rookie. There's, there's veterans on this group that have, that have put on their time, not only in this offense, but for a guy like Crowder in, in, in the league, seven years in the league, that he's just, it's just a numbers game at this point. They still love Jake Kumoro as much as I I'm against throwing him out there. Cause every time it seems like it's a run play when they do it and it kind of <laughs> telegraphing things, it's hard to really criticize Ken Dorsey tonight because he did so many things well from a usage perspective and with the way he rolled through his playmakers.
1: Yeah. And I like what you said about the waiting game for Shakir. That is all it probably is at the end of the day. It's what Gabe Davis experienced in his first two years. You go back to year one, John Brown was, was in front of him, which it's obvious that that makes sense. Gabe Davis was a rookie that year. You don't throw him out. there as your number two right out of the gate. Uh, But last year, I think there was a lot of people, including Emmanuel Sanders who came out and said, man, uh, you guys brought me in when you have this guy waiting in the wings and, and he had coming off of a good performance in the playoffs against the Colts that first year. Uh, and last year though, it was the waiting game. Again, he had to wait for the right opportunity. By the end of the year, he showed that he could be that guy opposite digs. And, and that's why they didn't really bring in any kind of challenges for him. So when it comes to Shakir, Matt, you and I saw, it. he was unbelievable this summer at training camp uh, from a pure pass catching standpoint, maybe the purest hands on this team. And that's saying something with the way Gabe Davis catches the ball with uh, with uh, certainty, the way you have Stefan Diggs catching the ball. I don't remember him really dropping much. If anything, he just great hands catcher was getting open, uh, but it's a waiting game. And eventually his number will get called. And I will not be surprised if he steps up and performs well in that role.
0: Let's get into a couple of uh, performances that were a little bit shaky. Uh, mm-hmm. but some good news on the other side of it, because I thought they both responded uh, with big plays down the stretch. Let's start with Ryan Bates, who I think yes. was getting a little bit of heat early in the game. I thought that I think somebody re- responded to a tweet and called him a turnstile. I don't know if I would have gone that far. Listen, you're going up against Aaron Donald week one on national television. You're going to lose some reps guys. Like I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not trying to defend Rick Bates uh, too much, but uh, he got worked a couple plays, but I think you go into this game saying there's going to be some plays where, you almost expect that even from veterans like, you know, Roger Saffold on the other side. So I think Rick Bates had a, a really rough night early on. I thought he responded. I, I, was, I was particularly looking in to watch some of his reps against Donald in the second half, and I thought he was holding up better. By the end of the game, part of it was just the way the game was going, the result of the game. But I thought that the, the Rams defensive line quit a little bit, and I thought there was a couple reps mm-hmm. where one-on-one, Ryan Bates versus uh, Aaron Donald. Bates won the rep, and I think you could take that and build off it. You're not going to have another game this season unless you play the Rams in the Super Bowl in Arizona against Aaron Donald again where you play up against a defensive player that is that dominant and that hard to deal with on the inside. So I, I, I think it's a positive sign that Bates responded the way that he did.
1: Donald is the best defensive player in the NFL. So to come out week one and be told, you know, there's going to be times you have to play him one-on-one. He's going to lose some battles. And there was one on the opening drive, Matt. I actually tweeted. I said, holy cow, Donald got into the backfield so fast. And it was against uh, Ryan Bates on that play. Josh Allen was able to get it out of there and get away from him. Uh, But it, it just shows you how dominant Donald can be and how quickly he can get around some quality linemen. But as you mentioned, as the night went on, Bates and that offensive line really started to look good. They were blocking well in the run game. They were keeping Josh Allen upright. They allowed Allen to throw the ball deep on a few occasions. It's part of the gelling process. A lot of those linemen, including Bates, missed time this summer, and they're probably getting up to speed a little bit, playing next to one another. What to expect, but just like you mentioned, there's some, there's still some very good defensive linemen they're going to see. That you know, a guy like Simmons on the Titans. Uh, there's going to be other guys too that are that are among the better interior linemen of this league that the Bills will face. But there's only one Aaron Donald in this league, and the Bills can already check that off the list for the year in terms of you don't have to worry about a guy of that caliber again this year. So uh, Bates started off shaky, but he did get better as the night went on. I thought the interior held up pretty well. Uh, kudos to Spencer Brown. He had one false start, but I had some concerns about him with that back injury. Thought he did a nice job. And Deion Dawkins is just Mr. Reliable at this point. He had a great game as well.
0: Yeah, and I think you get out of this game without any major injury concerns. Ed Oliver was talking a little bit about what happened. And on the sideline there, he said, you know, somebody just kind of came down on his on his ankle. And it, it felt like the weight of the world fell on it. And for he tried to shake it off. He tried to come back into play. You know, that's something definitely worth monitoring. And we'll see how long. That that's something that he has to deal with, but I think overall, you know, Saffel was hurt for a second. I think I think uh, Spencer Brown actually went down on one play. He we went down on one uh, on one knee, but he came back. So that that's that's good. That's good news coming out of the game. You know, mostly it seems like they're healthy. We'll get an update uh, from Sean McDermott hopefully tomorrow and then next week uh, into the injury report. The other guy that I wanted to talk about here, who I thought had a really tough going early on in the game, and again, on the other side of the ball, Cooper Cup. Arguably the best receiver in the NFL, right? I mean, the guy's coming off the triple crown. He led the league in touchdowns, receptions, um, receiving yards. He's one of the best to do it. And, you know, he's going up against Taron Johnson in the slot. Uh, You know, most of the reps that I saw Taron, you know, end up close to him. He was playing back in his zone and he had to play, you know, be really reactive and get to a spot. There was one play in particular, shout out to Taron Johnson, where it was a play action for Stafford and, and Johnson just absolutely erased the open part of the field. Wide, like wide, uh, wide open part of the field to his left, and uh, I think Stafford ended up getting stacked in the play. He made a couple of those really good heady plays, and a couple of times Cooper Cup got into open spots in the secondary, uh, made made some receptions and the touchdown, obviously in the back of the end zone. I'm talking about Jordan Poyer struggled early in this game. For me, it, it felt like what we were witnessing was a guy that missed most of training camp or a big chunk of training camp and and all of the preseason that's trying to get his condition, conditioning back up just a little bit slow, like the speed of the game, like getting back into the group of things. But boy, by the end of the game, did did, did Jordan Poyer get back into it? He used to make the plays. He was active. He was around the ball, really timely interception. That's what an all-pro kind of player like Jordan Poyer will bring you, even in a game where maybe he's struggling a little bit, bounces back and, and makes a big play in the end.
1: Yeah, it, you can count on that from guys like Poyer. a guy like Micah Hyde who got uh, he got hit with the truck stick a little bit early in the mm. game. can bounce back you can always count on those players and you're right poyer missed some time this summer uh and it looked like there's a few times i don't want to say he was out of position but maybe a half step too slow on a certain a few plays by the end of it he was he was looking just like jordan poyer that we've seen since he's been with this team uh from 2017 on and he makes the big interception where at that point the bills are up two scores and you say okay Uh, One, they can ice the game with a score, but they could really eat up a lot of the clock at that point, too, thanks to Poyer and that interception that he made. So having those reliable veterans that even when they're off a little bit at the the start, you know they're going to rebound and get better as the game goes on. It's great to have players like that on the back end. Uh, We talked about the veterans in in terms of, or the young players and veterans on the defensive line, and even the linebacker stepped up tonight. I thought Matt Milano, he, he really should have had a, uh, tackle that would have ended a drive of the Rams. It was just an offensive lineman for the Rams that took Cooper Cup and pushed him over the line of gain on that fourth down play. But great instincts by Milano on that one. He, he looked like he got shot out of a cannon on a run play where he was right there at the line. Edmonds made a few plays too, led the team in tackles. So what, what a great performance by that entire defensive unit holding the Super Bowl Champion Rams to just 10 points. And, you know, you can even go and look at Tyler Bass, that kickoff that he had really set up the Rams on that drive to have success. That defense, for the most part, was, was unbelievable tonight in stopping and slowing down Stafford and company.
0: As seen on Shark Tank, Tailgate and Go Kitchen is a portable outdoor kitchen in dry box made for any outdoor cooking setting. Set it up in the backyard, backwoods, or stadium, uh, parking lot in seconds, come with uh, built in cutting boards. Uh, paper tower holder, bottle opener, spice rack, food divider, compartments, storage net in the lid, and a knife magnet. The tailgate and go kitchen is awesome. And guess where you can find it, Ryan Talbot? At Tops, right Not now. Uh, they, they got they got you covered for your game day and tailgate spreads.
1: Can't wait. You know I'm going to have to stop by there Saturday morning, get a little breakfast pizza, maybe check those out while I'm there.
0: All right, final thought. Give it to me while I slide back over the rail here and, and show everybody uh, SoFi Stadium before we sign off.
1: Yeah. Final thought, big expectations for the bills coming into this season, coming into this game. And to their credit, they did not lay an egg like last season in the debut against Pittsburgh. They came out and looked every part of being the AFC Super Bowl favorite. Josh Allen looked like the MVP favorite. So nothing but praise for the way that this team was coached up and prepared for tonight's game, Matt.
0: All right. We are wrapping it up. We're ready to go. Check out SoFi stadium. It was really a cool experience, man. I mean, the energy in this building tonight was, you know, obviously Bills fans bring it every single time, but it was just special. It was the first time, you know, playing in a kickoff, uh, the, the NFL kickoff game and, you know, the eyes of the world watching. They're used to that. They played in a lot of big, big games, but I thought everything about tonight was super special and uh, I enjoyed covering it. So for Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We will be back next week. Next uh, week. I'm, I'm going to be off. I'm going to Las Vegas. Uh, Viva Las Vegas. So see you guys on the other side. Head over to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. We got you covered for all your uh, you know, coverage from the game for the next couple of days. Take care, everybody.
1: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan
0: Talbot.